Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. Well, a very warm welcome to the next episode of Property Developers and Investors podcast. And today, I'm delighted to announce a very special guest, a real dynamo, somebody who's changing so many people's lives out there. She is the host of the On a Mission podcast, Ellie Mackay. How are you, Ellie? Oh, so lovely to be chatting to you again, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I've got to say, I'm a lot more comfortable as the interviewer than I am as the interviewee. So this is <laughs> this is a comfort zone stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've listened to most of your 130-odd uh, episodes of, of your podcast, and I, I find that hard to believe. They're, they're incredible, uh, each and every one of them. So... Uh, Anyway, let's let's dive in. So m- many people will have heard of you and, and your podcast. I'm really interested to know your story. You know, where did Ellie come from, and maybe some of the challenges you you overcome to achieve some of the great things you're you're achieving now, but also some of the amazing things you've got planned in the future. So, so what? We'll go back to the start, Ellie, and just give us a bit of background for for those very few people that, who's listening to this who won't have heard of you. Oh, thank you, Mark. Such a lovely introduction. But it's really interesting because my husband, Mark, and I, we're um, we, we're a duo. We have combined property together. But what a lot of people don't necessarily know about us is that we started investing in property in our early 20s. And uh, we, we, we were the classic young entrepreneurial spirit. We had lots of energy, lots of drive, and uh, very little um, in the way of, of anything else, truth be told. And we did what any sort of aspiring young entrepreneurs do. And we sat there, and this is a true story. We literally sat there on a beanbag in our first home, and we Googled get rich quick. <laughs> This is true. This is true. I know what a diligent guy you are as well. Can you just imagine the the the, the things? It was, it was a bit of a toss up between stocks and shares and property, and we we basically decided to to invest in property, and we got involved in our first off plan development. Which, in theory, this was back in the day, two thousand and six, when you could buy properties and you could refinance in the same day. It would have been a brilliant time to be involved in the industry, but. Alas, it didn't pan out like that for us because by the time this development was completed and it was delayed a few years because of severe flooding at the time, we were smack bang in the middle of the global recession. So this property that we bought, and we're not talking huge uh, figures here, but it was very relative to where we were at the time in our early 20s. We purchased this property for 125 grand on the assurance that it was going to be worth 180 on completion. And we were going to flip the property straight on and take the water cash and thank you very much. But the reality of the situation was in back end of 2010, the property was worth 60,000. So... (laughs) we had to beg, borrow and steal to come up with a deficit because we couldn't get a mortgage, obviously, for for the um, for, for the full amount of the property. And we were contractually obliged. The developers that we bought it from were particularly unscrupulous. They were putting us under a hell of a lot of pressure. And it, it literally came down to the wire whether or not they were going to come after us for our house. So that was my first experience with property. And it kind of, it actually put me off until... Fast forward to 2018, and I'll try to keep this brief. (laughs) 
It never, never pans out <laughs> like that. <laughs> Apologies in advance, guys. I uh, hope you're listening on double speed. Uh, but yeah, so 2018, my husband in the meantime, he has set up his electrical business with his business partner and we've had a, a relative amount of success within that year area. Uh, myself, on the other hand, I became very, very risk averse. I went back to the day job. I was a careers advisor working in prisons for almost a decade. I wanted to to have the, the comfort and the security that a nine to five provides because, you know, let's face it, being an entrepreneur or a business owner is definitely not for everyone. And it certainly wasn't for me in terms of where I was and with my own mindset and mental health at the time. Until 2016, something happened within our electrical business where we we almost lost everything. We experienced near financial ruin when a big developer went under and it, they owed us a significant amount of money. And we managed to keep trading, but we took a huge, huge hit. And we, we were kind of recovering for the next couple of years. Life got in the way. We, um, we had our beautiful daughter, Isabella. We then got pregnant immediately afterwards with Samuel. That was... Um, unplanned, shall we say, and all sorts of things were, were kind of getting chucked at us at that point. We we sadly lost my father-in-law quite unexpectedly to, to cancer. And then in the midst of all of this, just as we were getting back on our feet, I got a phone call when I was just at the back end of my maternity leave to tell me that I was getting made redundant. And it felt like my whole world was collapsing around me at that time. But again, with, with hindsight, it was actually the best thing that could have ever happened and it ultimately led us down the path that we're on now where my husband and I went to do some property education in Glasgow now the whole wealth creation space or sort of education in this format was something that was a, a complete alien concept to us at that time but it absolutely changed our life so we we did what we do best we went all in we literally used the last of my redundancy money to pay for this training and we weren't destitute i know i was on job seekers allowance but the, you know that that was really just to pay my national insurance contribution and things while i got back on my feet and it was for a short space of time but we were that stereotypical middle class you know we had the nice holidays we had a nice four bed detached house but we had nothing in the bank we always lived to our means and we knew nothing about building generational wealth and when we started getting into this space in 2018 it, it just blew our minds and we did our property training uh four or five days I think it was as an intensive program we bought two properties within four days of completing that training and we've never looked back that's absolutely uh, amazing and uh, what came across there really loud and clear to me was was that that mindset shift you must have had to have you know when all of that came raining down on your shoulders back in 2017 2018 um and i'm i'm guessing that that robust mindset has stood you in um great stead to you know we've just been through covid and a number of other things um but you also need that mindset to embrace the opportunity that comes along the way as well so how important as as mindset being to to you and your husband mark it's probably and i genuinely mean this being the singular most important thing that i can attribute towards you know the success we've had to date has been the the change in my own mindset because i truly believe that your business business can only grow at the same extent that you do and, and the part of the story that I didn't mention, Mark, was that I was severely depressed in 2018. I had postnatal depression and 
my anxiety was so bad that on certain days I literally couldn't leave the house. I was laid there in the fetal position, um, just unable to do anything. It was a a really challenging time. And I've been on all sorts of heavy duty medication for best part of a decade. I was very much in the, the victim mentality. And actually it was... So my husband was the one who was originally going on the property training. It wasn't something that I was ever going to be part of. He was actually going with our our business partner, who's also called Mark. So so three Marks today in today's conversation. And I was actually listening to, he was doing some of the modules on the build-up to the event, and he had the content on our kitchen telly through through the Apple TV. And it was the mindset module. And Billy, who was one of the mentors in the, the property trading, who's um, funnily enough, one of my business partners now, that's how much that, that relationship's evolved. But he was quoting Tony Robbins and he was talking about if something's humanly possible, then why not me? And and I kind of, it took me back because long before I used to work in the prisons, I used to be in quite a high performance job. I used to work in sales when I was 20, 21, uh, 19, I was actually a teenager at the time when I got promoted into my managerial position. Uh, I was responsible for over 100 staff. That's why I relocated to to Yorkshire from Scotland. And there, there was a lot of responsibility that came with that position. But due to quite a few external factors that were happening at the time, my, my sister was um, quite severely unwell. I needed something that I could... I needed a job that didn't require me to work six or seven days a week was the reality of the situation. And I went from probably earning with all my commission as well, probably in in the region of a hundred grand a year, which back then at that age was a huge salary to literally starting from, from grassroots at sort of 16 grand a year. And the reason I mentioned that story is because when I was in the height of my success back then, I was very much into Tony Robbins I remember reading books like How to Change Your Life in Seven Days with Paul McKenna. And the more sort of depressed I got, the more I let life get in the way. I just started to refer to all that stuff as your woo-woo, happy, clappy bullshit. I just thought it was a load of American nonsense. It wasn't for people like me, you know, your thoughts become your reality. I just didn't buy into it at all. And then in 2018, when I was listening to Billy talking about Tony Robbins, it just felt like it reignited a fire that had been dormant for so many years. And it it just, it wasn't like a light bulb moment that completely solved all my problems, but it did give me the confidence and the faith to be able to at least walk through those doors and and get myself into this sort of situation and, and, and start to put myself in a position where I was around a different kind of chat a different kind of mentality I wasn't around people who were constantly complaining and and bitching I was around solution orientated people who were so much further down the path that that I wanted to travel and and all of a sudden that became my new norm and it was something that I had to continue to work on every single day so 2018 that that mental health, those challenges didn't um, they, they didn't just eradicate. But I'm a great believer in you face the fear and you do it anyway. And it was certainly the first run of the ladder for me. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always um, always believed that humility is one of the strongest attributes in in business and, and in life. And the humility you've just explained and showed on overcoming and that grit and courage. And 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 that foresight, you know, that that ability to to look ahead, um, 
and and know there's a better place, not knowing what those steps are. Um, and I guess in some respects, those that that gave you the, uh, I suppose, the confidence, the body armor there to start a podcast. Uh, what gave you the the idea to create a podcast and and the the naming of it? And I'm really intrigued as to how you started that momentum there. It's quite interesting, really. All The personal brand came first. Not that I knew I was creating a personal brand because I didn't. Initially, I was posting on LinkedIn because that is what I was advised to do by one of my coaches. As part of our business model, as is the case for a lot of people within property, we very much require external investment to fund our property projects. And like I said right from the start, we didn't have any money, but I was damned if I was going to let that stop us. So I'm a great believer in it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Because the more people who know who you are, and this is for any sector, the more opportunities you create for people to do business with you. And that that was my sole intention when I started out. But of course, we didn't have any properties. So everything they tell you to do on these um, property training courses about video walkrounds or what have you, we couldn't do that. I mentioned we got the two properties, but of course, it was months before they were through conveyancing and we physically had the keys and I needed to raise the finance. So rather than sort of telling any lies, I, I, yes, I positioned myself as an authoritative figure, but um, it was very much about things that were relative to me, such as uh, mental health or the struggles of trying to be a present mum to my three young children, one of which was less than a year old. You know, I had a one-year-old and a a four-year-old at the time as well. And uh, due to the the, the nature of what I was doing, I was traveling a lot. I mean, you know what it's like in the early days, you, you have to roll your sleeves up and you don't have staff. You're wearing all the different hats. You're all things to all people. So I I was talking about that, talking about the sacrifices, talking about things that I I felt qualified to talk about. And it was really interesting, Mark, because that's what grew my profile quite exponentially. And it wasn't the posts I was doing talking about, oh, you've got money sat in the bank. Well, you know, what return are you getting on your pensions or talking about SaaS or all the other things that everybody else was doing. And this is linked to the podcast, but one of the things I'll say to anyone who is is posting on social media, I, I sort of describe it as your shop window because you could have the best products out there. You could have the best customer service, the best shop display. But the reality is if nobody knows that you're there, if nobody's walking past that shop window, then it's completely, completely irrelevant. And I observed very quickly that the posts I was doing on uh, property related posts might get 500 views, but the posts I was doing talking about the challenges of entrepreneurship and spinning plates were getting thousands of views, then hundreds of thousands of views. And some of them were going into the millions of views. And I thought, wow, I'm onto something here. But, but more importantly, and this is where it links to the podcast, I started to get messages where people were, were reaching out to me and telling me how much the content had resonated with them and that they'd never shared it before, but they were going through very similar mental health challenges. Um, I spoke openly about the fact that I felt suicidal in the past and, and people have literally messaged to say that a co- bit of content I've put out or a video or a post has it stopped them from taking their own life. And to me, genuinely, and this might sound like bullshit, but you you know me well enough to know where my values mm-hmm. are at. That is worth so much more to me than any amount of, of money in the bank. And if I'm being honest, 
I realized very quickly that I'm not that interested in property. I, I enjoy people. I enjoy building the relationships and I enjoy the, the raising the finance side of it purely because I, I can do that through the art of conversation. But the operational side of the building, and again, a lot of the properties we've sourced have came through relationships that I've built as well. It's also interlinked, but mm-hmm. the, the operational side of it is um, it's just not my bag. So fast forward to the pandemic, 2020, we couldn't get out. We No, no one could get out. And at, at home with the three children, in a lot of ways, I, I do see that time as a blessing because it was, you know, it's a, it's a point in history that I will actually look back on really, really fondly. And we created some amazing memories. However, I did feel as the, the week started to roll on that I was losing a little bit of my identity. I mentioned about the challenges with with mental health and depression, and I've identified within myself that being around high energy people where I'm stimulated, where I'm learning, where I'm I'm able to converse, that's very important to to who I am. And I wasn't able to do that. So this is going to sound really woo-woo, but it's a a true story. I, I was doing a meditation. I was introduced to TM meditation just shortly before the lockdown. And during one of my meditations, it came to me to... It was actually not the podcast. It was a a Facebook Live series that I initially did called the Sunday series, which was me interviewing people with a glass of wine in my hand and um, being able to connect and build relationships. And I had a captured audience. So it was great. Literally, people couldn't go anywhere. So the views were, were, were quite good. And that was my light bulb moment because I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Up until that point, if I was getting asked to speak at a, a property networking event or something like that, when typically I was just sort of sharing our journey as opposed to property strategies and things, because, because that's not my area of expertise. That's that's Mark's area of expertise. So, so I would sort of talk about our journey or raising finance or things I kind of felt relatively confident talking about. But it was always at my own expense. Nobody was paying me for the gigs. And that's fine. That's just, you know, you tr- that, that's what we do, isn't it? When we're in that, mm-hmm. that startup phase. But I'd be traipsing up and down the country, getting hotels, train fares and what have you, speaking in front of 50 people to build the brand. And then all of a sudden, I'm sat there with thousands of people tuning in. I'm in the comfort of my own kitchen with a glass of wine in hand thinking, oh, this one to many thing. Like this is, you know, I think I'm onto something here. Um, and then as basically as everyone started to, to disperse and the world started to, to gradually get back to normal, that evolved and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up the podcast. And it was very much start now, get perfect later. I had no clue, I had no equipment, no training, no previous expertise. Uh, I, I reached out to Rob Moore, who runs Progressive Property, and just on the off chance, I thought you'll never say yes anyway. And said, look, I'm, uh, I've got a podcast. I just wondered if, if you wanted to come on. And much to my horror, he said yes. And I was like, oh no. And he said, well, what's your podcast called? And I thought, oh, shit, should I be honest? Um, and I did, I did for, you know, for, for a few seconds, I contemplate lying, I'll be honest. And I was like, nah, I'm going I'm to be, I have to tell him the truth here. I says, I've not actually got a podcast yet and there's no name for it, but I do want to start one and I'd love for you to be involved. And thankfully found that hilarious. And we did some brainstorming and we actually came up with uh, the On A Mission podcast together um, and, and he was my very first guest. And then randomly, the property sourcer who used to work for us at the time, he relocated to Dubai now. He 
used to do some sports events and planning the big sort of boxing and things like that. And he happened to know Ricky Hatton's manager. And he was like, do you want Ricky Hatton? I was like, yeah. So I got Ricky Hatton. And then it just kind of, once I had Ricky Hatton and I was able to reach out to people and say, do you want to come on my podcast? Ricky Hatton's been on it. They were like, well, if it's good enough for Ricky, then it's good enough for me. And it, it just went nuts. So now we're the fastest growing podcast in the UK. It's crazy. Brilliant. So fastest growing podcast in the UK. That's incredible. And and up against some global titans as well, right up there I saw uh, only the other week. Yeah. Brilliant. What, what are the what are the plans for on a mission? I mean, you must have you must have learned a huge amount from the you know very talented people that you've had um to actually research them, to actually, you know, have that. On offline discussion and online discussion, um, and I'm sure you've given back a wealth of of your knowledge to to them as well. So, so how has it how has it changed your life and your your outlook being surrounded by you know all those guests? Well, I am a great believer that relationships are the highest form of currency, and when you're constantly surrounded by People like Joe Foster, the founder of Reebok, and Mark Victor Hansen, who's um, co-authored the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. And, and the likes of yourself, Mark, as well, where you're making genuine friendships and relationships out with the podcast. It's it's absolutely incredible. And last year, uh, you know, we've all gone through things, haven't we, during this pandemic? And, you know, I've got quite strong views on how things were handled. And la- last year was, I felt at times, quite dark the the media was very depressing and actually having the podcast was almost a savior it was a lifeline for me because not only was I having these phenomenal conversations but like you said if uh, someone had just released a book I would read the book in advance or interviews that they'd done with other podcast hosts and really sort of immerse myself in the whole experience and when you're consuming that kind of content as opposed to BBC News. It is so uplifting. And there's so many opportunities have came off the back of it, which I couldn't have quantified the business opportunities and just different learnings. I mentioned to you that I'm going to be doing a book. And for those of you who are um, just listening to the audio, I've got in in the backdrop here. Am I I, I allowed to swear, Mark? Yeah, you are. Absolutely. (laughs) Just because it's you. Just because it's me. I did say I could behave. He said, no, you don't need to behave. (laughs) Uh, Fuck average, be legendary. That's going to be the the name of my book. And, you know, it's quite interesting, actually, just on that point, because Mark Victor Hansen, and he says like I'm name dropping, but they are genuinely helping me with the book. But I I was going to call it on a mission because I thought it's in line with the brand. And we were doing a Zoom just like this, and he could see the backdrop. And it was actually Mark's wife, Crystal. She says, look, Elliot, I don't think that's, you know, yes, I think for your second book, that's great. We can bring it all back to the brand and things, but we want a showstopper. If, you know, people are going through the airport. You've got a lot of traffic there, literally, you know, I don't just mean the foot flow, but you've got a lot of competition in terms of the books that are on the shelf. You, you want to stop people in their tracks. She said, that's you. And people are really sort of helping me to, to embrace that um, inner confidence to because there's so many levels of it still to really stand up there and be like, you know what, this is me and that's not going to resonate with everyone. In fact, it might even repel some people. However, you know, that this is this is who I am. And there's so much talk around the authenticity. But yeah, so like the book's just one example of it. And 
Um, actually, my podcast agency have literally just sat me down last week and just because because I've been very anti running ads or getting any sorts of sponsors for my podcast, and they just said, "Look, you're you're insane. You've done it for relentlessly now for a few years. You've just been yeah. value, value, value. But this is a a commercial commodity. You know, you're literally getting." Uh, the algorithms, it's just absolutely went insane at the moment. And across all the channels, we're getting hundreds of thousands of views on, on some of these episodes. So we are going to start looking for sponsorship and things and and actually building the brand in, in its own sort of right. And yeah, get, getting opportunities now to connect with some crazy people. I'm getting Stephen Bartlett's business partner, Dominic, oh, who wow. you set up um, social chain with. I've got, uh, and I'll be seeing Stephen Bartlett Expert Empires in London next uh, this week, actually. And my, my, my goal is to, to get him as well. Barry Hearn, I've just had him on. He's going to hook me up with Eddie. I'm going to be getting Eddie Hearn on. And I, I just feel like the most blessed, lucky person in the world. And I think I say this all the time, Mark, and I've said it to you before, I'm the least entrepreneurial entrepreneur. It was like, I've had a limiting belief myself that I felt like I'm enjoying this too much to be making money from it, which is just insane. But now, now I'm ready. You you, you know uh, my values, and I think ours are very closely aligned. Uh, my, my values of, of creating shared value, you know, you, it, it's it's fine to, to make profit alongside other people and let the rest of the world flourish as well. You know, it's not fine to make profit at the expense of others, but creating that fair exchange of value, absolutely. You've, you've worked tirelessly and given your time, you know, freely and frequently for, for many years. And, uh, yeah, I firmly believe there are, there are eight different asset classes. And the one that's often missed, and we were talking about this earlier on, is, is a community. A community is a fantastic asset. Yes, there could be some monetization and creating shared value there, um, but also there could be crowdsourcing, you know, sharing ideas, think tanks. It it can go off in so many go off in all directions, like the red arrows, can't it? It's um, it's incredible, and that seems to be exactly what's happening. Um, so the book. So have you started where are you in the process what what where's the timeline on that we've mapped it out we've um we've done the synopsis and outlined all the chapters with the key kind of stories and things so yeah we're probably looking at realistically i would say another four months before that's actually on the shelves but it's yeah. just going to be hugely exciting and and also um they're kind of taking me under their wing a little bit. I'm using Mark's publishing company over in the States and they're keen to kind of get me out there and hook me up with some of the television companies and things in the States. It's just so lovely, actually, because you don't often recognise in yourself sometimes, I think, what other people do recognise in you. And as much as I'm very proud of what we've achieved to date, I think as someone who's constantly standing on the shoulder of giants that, you know, I'm always around people that have achieved so much more than I have in every aspect of my life, whether it be fitness, uh, you know, spirituality, whatever I'm learning about, I always like to be the little fish in the big pond, but um, they, they, they've kind of taken me under the wing a little bit and they, they truly believe that I've got the the capability in their words to be the next Mel Robbins. So it's, um, it, it, it's a it's a hell of a journey yeah it is and it's only just starting yeah well absolutely uh, it's a journey to a destination as yet undefined and that's the beauty of this as well isn't it it's uh, yeah. Yeah, that that discovery i i found when when writing some of my books that 
you know, you have, you have your good days and your bad days. Some days the, the text just flows. Other days, you know, it becomes, uh, becomes quite hard. I found the parallel of the creative side of producing the book cover. I found that a, a wonderful respite sometimes, you know, going from the text through to the to the visual. And I, I love that. I love that contrast of writing a book and then bringing it all together. So uh, no doubt you'll be sharing some um, some examples of the cover as you go through the drafting phase. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be, yeah, I'll be canvassing public opinion as well, because that, that's really important to me. You mentioned community, and I've got quite a loyal, loyal following on social media, and I'll, I'm constantly asking for for opinions although when I did ask for opinions on the title normally it's a I get a, it's a no-brainer whenever I do a multi-choice but this was actually really quite divided this time oh, exactly well look, you're not going to please all the people all the time but with a title like that you're certainly going to create intrigue people like my the people who weren't going to buy it anyway might at least stop and think oh I don't like that, or um, but I, I think the just that title there. I think that will appeal to huge amounts of people. And it was interesting you mentioned the, um, you know, the book lounges, the, the Smiths, etc., in airport lounges, not just in the UK, of course, uh, international. Um, I mean, that would just be an incredible achievement, and with the support and backing you've got, wow. I, I love it. It all just it ties in so much because we're relocating the family to Dubai next year. Uh, August next year is the plan. And when I get out to Dubai, I'm I'm looking at creating a proper podcast studio, a Joe Rogan style podcast studio, and start bringing some of these guests in. And I can just see like the book's going to tie in beautifully with all of that. And it, it, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome because the reality is I live in Doncaster, right? And and I love Doncaster. It's home. I moved here when I was 19 when I got the promotion when I was still working in sales. But it was never my intention really to spend the rest of my life in, in Doncaster. I, I came from Edinburgh. It's a, it's a really beautiful city. I'm really sorry if I'm offending people from Doncaster, but it, it's, yeah, it's not Dubai. It's absolutely not Dubai. And the reason I mention that is because unless you've got a podcast studio in central London, you're not necessarily going to capture people as they're uh, coming in and out of the UK or, you know, even people that are already based in the UK, whereas central London's pretty you know, a, a pretty good place. But no one's coming to Doncaster is the point in this. So it's just the next step. And we'll start doing some property out there as well. We'll start doing some luxury service accommodation. There's definitely a market for it over there. And um, yeah, just continue the adventure. I'm loving the dynamism to your brand and the direction, the trajectory. That's absolutely fantastic. And you, you've mentioned uh, repeatedly now your your family um, the kids and and husband, um, and I, I guess the whole dynamic changed as it did with me when I retired from corporate life in 2015. Working from home, being with being with my wife all the time, you know that that was a different adjustment to make. It was it was quite interesting actually being life partners and business partners. And I'll probably just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how, how have you found that transition and actually making the business and personal side inclusive to the family? It is by far the best thing we've ever done and the most challenging thing we've ever done, which sounds like I'm sitting on the fence. But when we first set up the business and we were working together, I, honestly, there was a couple of months I thought, you know, are, are we going to get through this? It was so challenging. We've always been 
such a loving couple. And don't get me wrong, we bicker. And when I say bicker, that usually means I nag. But we've never been a shouty household. It's, you know, we don't raise our voices. It's it's always pretty calm. And, and that's always been the case with Mark and I. But I, I remember a, an incident when we were sat in our old offices. We've, we've relocated now, but we're, we're sat in the, the offices at the time. And I, I just found myself physically like borderline screaming at him. And I just thought, oh my God, this is like, transforming my personality this is not helping me to become the best version of myself and we really had to at that point get a lot stricter with rules and responsibilities and boundaries and things like that because there was just too much crossover and we we work so differently and actually now it's the biggest blessing because he's the yin to my yang but you know I mentioned to you before I'm a bit of a freestyler I just love connecting with people uh, I like lo- you know I love the podcasting I love the personal brand I love the marketing element of the business the nuts and bolts in the operation I'm, I'm far less interested in Mark's very much you know your your spreadsheets he's very systemized and methodical and you obviously need both parts of that because uh, you know you, you become unstuck very quickly and in a lot of ways Mark gets the raw end of the deal because I am the face of the property business. I like I'll go to events and win awards for property. And the reality is Mark has literally done 98% of the work, you know? But it works. It absolutely works. And he wouldn't have it any other way. He doesn't want to do podcasts. He doesn't want to do public speaking. He prefers to keep a low profile. You've met him. Anyone that's met Mark mm. knows, you know, what he's all about. He's absolutely fantastic. But it's it is phenomenal now because we complement each other. And it's great to be able to bring the kids into this. There is no work-life balance. I think that's a reality. We we love what we do, and sometimes perhaps we should have clearer boundaries. But we have to. We both make the choice to get the kids to school together every morning, and where possible, we we eat dinner together when we're not going here, there, and everywhere doing martial arts and football drop-offs and everything else. But the um, I would say the price you pay for that is having to work into the evenings to 11, 12 o'clock at night. But that's our choice. That's our reality. We could get up and Mark could, could go to the office at 5 a.m. every morning if he wanted to. But then the children are only young for this small period of time. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, the values that we're instilling in them, it's it's absolutely incredible. And you know, one of the questions that... You, you, that I, I know that you're likely to ask me is, is what would you say to someone like your younger self, you know? And I, I mean, I've got the opportunity to live that again through my children. And I kind of think if I someone had imparted this wisdom and with me at a young age, wow, like I would literally be in the business terms, you'd be a multi billionaire by now. But I, I think it's it's uh, the mindset that you can really achieve anything that you set your mind to in life is something that I try to, to, to really instill in our children. And that's not to say that I, I believe that you can just sit there and manifest any form of reality. The law of action is a very big part of it. Yes, you can do anything, but you need to work hard. You might need to study hard, not necessarily through mainstream education, but blooming heck, I'm learning every single day. You're going to have to put the hours in, you have to connect with the people because Often people want what you have, but they're not willing to do what you've done in order to achieve it. They want, I was going to say they want their cake and they want to tweet it, but what a ridiculous saying, Mark. Sorry, but why would you not want to eat your cake? (laughs) I think that passion for, passion for growth, passion for change and being 
comfortable being uncomfortable and you're constantly throwing yourself out i'm sure some of the guests that you might have had you know for some people it would turn their knees to jelly um but actually to rise to that and you you have an innate ability to um allow people to be the best that they can be in front of you. You draw goodness out of people. And I think that comes across very richly in in all of your episodes. That's, that's a constant I've seen. Um, and I guess the reciprocal for you is that you you just get this all this wealth of, of experience coming concentrated from so many great people. Um, so, yeah, that, um, that question I ask everybody, you know, if you could give yourself... Uh, your younger self, one piece of advice going back to, you know, given what you know now, going back to your teenage years, I think is such a such a powerful question. And it probably is going to be different at different stages of each of our lives. It's interesting because I, I, I've been pondering all over this question this morning. And the one thing I wish, not necessarily I'd have done differently because it's a butter life effect, isn't it? You have made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I tell you something, Mark, I've learned from each and every one of them. And uh, yes, I've made a lot of mistakes, but you won't catch me making the same one twice. Mm. But I would have taken responsibility for myself and my environment and my full life a lot sooner. And that's something that I would say to my younger self, because no one's coming to save you. You can be either a victim or a victor. Yes, I've had some knocks in life, but you know what? So have the majority of people. And there's people who have had it a damn sight worse than I have. But for years, I outsourced my health to the pharmaceutical industry. I believed that, you know, I, I would tell anyone who'd listened to how I've been hard done by, by their electrical business, by this property deal, by all these opportunities I've been promised. And this person did this and this person did that. And I just didn't take ownership. And yeah, there, there might be merit to some of these things, but we've all got stories to tell like that. And it's learning to, to succeed in spite of that. And, you know, it's, it's a, a bit of a, a cliche, but situations only have the meaning that you choose to attach to them. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, in business, you asked how important the mindset is. Well, this is why it's the most important thing, because I don't care what sector you're in, you're going to hit hard times. You're going to, there's so many stories. I mean, going through lockdown 2020, we had been, we'd been in negotiations with a billionaire for 12 full months he had basically talked me into bankrolling all our property projects. And very naively, with the benefit of hindsight, we thought that this was the, the best thing that could have ever happened. We were, uh, we'd had meetings with his business partners. We'd had uh, paperwork drawn up with solicitors. They were going to be setting up a facility that they were going to be paying money in. We had 10 properties going through legals at that time. Uh, he'd sort of, uh, again, saw some sort of potential in us. And he basically said, rather than constantly having to sort of hustle, if you like, for investment and bringing in at that point 50 grand here and 80 grand here. He's like, look, what if you just had one investor, one big pot of money, one facility that we, you know, we we do a high level of appraisal in the deals, but you have the autonomy to go out and do what you want. And it, to be fair, it all sounded absolutely amazing. But the Friday before Boris locked us down, we got a text message from the business partner, not even the courtesy of a phone call to say with everything that's happening, we're just pulling it, completely pulling it. Uh, no review, no let's come back to this in a couple of weeks, just 
completely rug pulled. And I, I remember, so th- this is why when you have these light bulb moments, it's not just ta-ra, it's okay, that is the first step. And it, it gives you the, the 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 strength to go learn and evolve and evolve because these knocks are going to keep coming. And the bigger you get, the bigger your problems get. And at the time, that was a, a pretty big problem. And I remember literally, I went, I fell to my knees. Sounds dramatic, but it's the truth. God's honest truth. I fell to my knees and I said out loud, I was the only one in the house. I said, how many times do I have to pick myself back up? And within literally 10 seconds, I picked myself off the floor. And again, excuse my language, but these are the words I said. I was like, however many times it fucking takes. And I picked up my phone and within 20 minutes, Mark, I'd raised 500 grand. Every time I'd had a conversation with somebody, every time I'd spoken at an event, every time I jumped on a Zoom where I'd just given without expectation, without planting any seeds for doing any future business, just genuinely building relationships. All those people had my back. Not one per. I was literally ringing up saying, the billionaires backed out, you know, in desperate need of investment. Will you back us? Yes or no? Yep. How much? Brilliant. I'll be in touch. And and then, uh, you know, literally went on. And to me, that was what, what could have been the worst day in our business was actually the most empowering because it showed me um, the the power of relationships. Yeah. Uh, and any business, any brand, any profile, um, the, there's a, a tangible and intangible uh, value on goodwill. And that goodwill didn't take you 10 minutes to earn, did it? That, that goodwill took you months years probably even decades um because you could you you can't fake a position over over that length of time and uh um uh, that goodwill is is incredibly important that i i suspect the rate of growth of your current business um there will be a, a very much a tangible goodwill value that will even further boost the valuation on your business uh with some of the incredibly exciting things and I'd love to hope we could do another another podcast part two, um, because I, I think there's going to be a part two and a part three uh, to to your journey. Um, quite incredible, Ellie. You're an inspiration to many, and um, the consistent thing about all of your uh, experiences is the the unvarying point of values in uh, in your decision making. Your your values have remained constant despite the barrage of of others i think uh, i think i saw something uh, on one of your i think it was your instagram uh, feed uh, the other day about you know walking away from investors uh, from time to time and uh, you know if if values doesn't uh, or potential investors i should say um you know if the values aren't aligned and sometimes we have to make those tough decisions but they're actually not tough at all are, are they when they come down to it well, they're not, they're not now, Mark, but that post that you're alluding to there, that was our very, so we've done some joint ventures as in um, somebody puts in the capital, we put in the sweat equity and we did a 50-50 split for our first couple. This was our first proper investor, like a fixed return investor. And it was £100,000. And literally in our business bank, we probably had, you know, like, seven pounds or something like that at the time so we probably had a hundred thousand and seven pounds so to kind of 
people talk about values a lot, but when it comes down to it, one of our company values is people over profits. Mm -hmm. But when you've got money, that's a lot easier to um, exercise some of these principles. When you've got absolutely nothing, then it can be a bit more challenging. But I believe without, again, uh, you know, going a bit woo-woo here, I just believe in the universe, whether you call it God or or whatever, um, whatever it is to you as an individual, but uh, karma, had we taken that money knowing that we weren't aligned with the values and basically allowed um, ourselves to be mistreated or to be subservient to somebody else, I, I just believe that the energy that that would have been putting out to the universe would be saying that we are willing to accept that kind of behavior. And mm. actually, we went on to to onboard quite a few clients off the back of that. So, yeah, it's a good story to finish on. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely love that story. Well, Ellie, look, I think we've really opened the lid on quite a number of subjects here, and uh, I'm sure people would like to follow up and and get to understand on a mission and and what your organisation's all about and the great stuff it's doing. So, how can they best get hold of you? Oh, I'm everywhere, Mark. As you know, I'm I've even, I'm even on TikTok. You know what? I've resisted ah. going on TikTok for so long. So I'm even on TikTok now. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the On a Mission podcast. You can get it on all the main um all the main channels and i would recommend we start off with your episode mark because you too are an inspiration and when i say relationship size form a currency i genuinely mean that and if it wasn't for social media and ultimately you know us getting in touch through that and then the podcast and what have you we wouldn't be building these friendships so um I, i'd like to encourage all your listeners to listen to that episode because you've got a hell of a story oh that's very kind of you thank you very much and uh ellie appreciate everything you do thank you so much for coming on this episode of property developers and investors thank you thanks mark thanks for listening to this episode and if you would like more inspiration why not join our facebook group property developers and investors or visit our website www.equaacademy.co.uk